Good morning. I um, just have to let you know that I am extremely overjoyed to be with you today. <laughs> For those of you that may not know who, my, who I am, um, my name is Crystal Zayden, and I am the campus pastor at our Ogden campus. So thank you. <laughs> So if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, I'm just so excited to be with you all today. And I do want to take just a minute, and on behalf of all the pastors at Crossroads, can I just um, give you a huge thank you from the bottom of our hearts, from each and every one of us, for the time that you took to write us thank you notes, to offer words of encouragement, to give us love during Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, those notes really, um, I cannot describe what they mean to us. And they are something that we will go back to again and, and again and again on the hard days. So thank you, thank you, thank you from all of the pastors for taking the time to do that. We really appreciate it. So. The older I get, oh, really quick, okay. <laughs> the older I get, otherwise we're gonna be here till three, I'm just saying. Um, and the older my children get, the more I truly start to understand and grasp God's desire for us to have this childlike faith. It's interesting to me, as we grow older, that the childlikeness inside of us starts to leave and how we can start to get into our own way when it comes to the things of God. And so I have a couple pictures I want to show you. This is my family, by the way. Um, so those of you that have not met me maybe don't know who belongs to who in, um, in our family. So that's myself. That's my husband, Dave. He is incognito because he has this mustache. <laughs> like, he got a jump start on the No Shave November. Like, so he's been sporting that. So you might not recognize him today, but look for the guy with the stash, and that's him. That's my daughter, Megan. <clears throat> Some of you may or may not know her. She's currently um, doing mission work over in Australia and Papua New Guinea. And then my son, Nathan, is the youth pastor. So sometimes people don't know that we all belong to each other. Next picture. This is a current picture of Nathan and Megan. This was actually taken the day uh, that she left to go back to Australia. So those two are best buds, so that's kind of fun. Um, and then the last picture. Yeah, that's Megan when she was a toddler. So I brought this picture because I think when my kids were little, asking for help was just natural as can be. When she was that age, reaching up for help was a natural posture for her. In fact, she had this little cute phrase that she would say. She would come up to me and she would go, Mama help you, Mama help you, Mama hold you, Mama hold you. And that was, that was the posture when she needed something um, 
and she needed help. But as they would grow older, I would see that they would clearly need help. But then came this independent spirit, right? And the new phrase of choice for Megan was, mind do it, mind do it. So she'd be wrestling to put her coat on, and I'd say, Megan, can I help you? And she'd say, no, mind do it. Until she was in such a fit of tears that she would finally give in and take the help. We're not so different from that adorable toddler, are we? We need help. I think of myself and how many times I find myself doing something and my husband will be like, hey, babe, do you need help with that? No, no, I've got it, I've got it, I'm good, I'm good. Or how about when we walk into a store? Can I help you find something? No, no, I'm just looking. We obviously need help. We, we went in there for something. Like it's the most ridiculous thing to me, like that that's our first response. But needing help is not a crystal thing, and it's not a Utah thing or an age thing. It's a universal thing. Everyone needs a helper. Everyone needs a helper. Will you guys pray with me? And let's invite the helper today. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your presence. We're so thankful that you're so intimate and personal and that you have something for each one of us. So help us to rest in that posture of childlike faith today as you speak to us. I ask that I would just completely get out of the way as you have your way this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. In Luke, the book of Luke, um, verses 5 through 13, Jesus is speaking, and he says to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to them at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. I wanted to share that story about Megan in this passage with you all today because it talks about God the Father. It shares his heart with us. It talks about how he only desires to give good gifts. And we have been learning and growing through this series. And I continually have felt the Lord encouraging us to approach this subject from this childlike perspective. You see, the older we get, the more we seem to know or think we know. And I think, no, no, I know that we are the ones who over time have complicated and turned and twisted and overthought. And that's why I'm so thankful that we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit. And my prayer for all of us is that today as we close this series, we end with a sense of peace. We end with a spirit of joy and excitement and understanding. You see, God's heart, hear me, God's heart is that we understand all of him, not just pieces of him, all of him. So I have a question. How many of you have ever been given a gift from somebody? And that person came up to you and they were like, Bridget, watch out, Bridget, I am so excited to give you this gift. I shopped months for this. I, this is so perfect for you. It, it suits you. It's everything you've ever dreamed of. Like, it's something that you, you never would have thought of on your own. Like, I just, I cannot wait to give this to you. And then how many of you have taken that gift and said, thank you, and put it right there? That person was waiting for you to open it, to see your expression when you opened it, but you're like, thank you, and you put it on the shelf. Or you said, no, thank you. I don't think I want that gift. Or you looked over and you said, well, what did you get, Carissa? Maybe I want that gift instead. Strangely enough, I think that we can do that with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the great gift giver. And he loves giving us gifts. But for some reason, I think a lot of it has to do with what I addressed before. The complicating the overthinking, the twisting, the turning. And you know what? Some of us have bought in to some pretty big lies 
wise such as he has a gift for Bridget, but he doesn't have a gift for me. Lies such as, I'm scared that what's in that is a little bit weird. I don't think I want it. Or lies that, I'm pretty sure the only people that get gifts are super Christians. You know, pastors, missionaries, people that have believed in Jesus for 45 years. Not me. I just found Jesus two weeks ago. I doubt I have a gift. My gift's not as good as her gift. I'm sure of it. And maybe some of us that are brand new to following Jesus didn't even know there were gifts. I want to start with the simple but profound truth that God's supreme gift to each of us, his ultimate gift, is himself. That's the ultimate gift. And as we've talked about in the series, the Holy Spirit is in us and for us. We're filled with and we're led by. And there is no such thing as a Jesus follower without the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know that everything God does has a purpose? Not one thing is wasted or not for the good. And so this great gift giver has incredible gifts. And each of these gifts has a divine purpose. There's this book in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, and there's this guy, Paul, and he wrote a letter to this church and started talking to them about the gifts, kind of like I'm talking to you today. And he said this about the Holy Spirit and the gifts. There are different kinds of gifts but it is the same Holy Spirit who gives them. There are different kinds of work to be done for him, but the work is the same, is for the same Lord. There are different ways of doing his work, but it is the same God who uses all these ways in all people. The Holy Spirit works in each person in one way or another for the good of all works in each person in one way or another for the good of all. The purpose of the gifts are so we can know our Father better, serve our churches better, serve our communities more effectively, and be a gift to our family, to our neighbors, to our city, to our country, even to the world, you guys for the good of all. The same guy, Paul, wrote another letter to a church in Rome. And in it, he said, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I love this so much. Our gifts are for strengthening others. Who could use some more strength, right? 
That's when you say amen. Okay. All right, that's right. I... <laughs> this doesn't mean that the person who has the gift gets no joy or benefit from it, but it does mean that the gifts are given to be given. You get to be the ultimate regifter. How cool is that? They are, yeah. <laughs> they are not given to be hoarded. Paul clearly says, I desire to share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. What does strengthen mean? He's not referring to body strength, but strength of faith. In this translation, it says, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged in yours. It helps me to think about spiritual gifts this way because it keeps me from comparing my gift with other people's gifts and with our natural abilities. You see, many people who do not follow Jesus have incredible gifting in teaching, in administration, for example. And these gifts are absolutely God-given, whether they recognize that fact or not. But these would not be called spiritual gifts because they're not expressions of faith and they're not aiming to strengthen someone else's faith. Our faith in the promises of God is the way that the Holy Spirit flows through us to strengthen and encourage the faith of someone else. That means no matter what gift we have, listen to this, if we're not relying on God and not using it to encourage and help someone, then our gift is not a spiritual gift. It's not spiritual because the Holy Spirit is not flowing through it from my faith to your faith. One of the problems we have is we get so caught up wondering what our gift is. In fact, I would bet money, someone right now, right this second, is thinking, I wonder what my gift is. I wonder what my gift is. But I want to challenge you. I think we're focusing on the wrong thing. Rather than asking, what is my gift? What is my gift? What is my gift? We should spend our time looking, who's the person that needs strengthening? Who's the person that needs encouraging? Who in my life today could use some encouragement? When we focus on others who are struggling and we come alongside them to help them and to strengthen them, oh boy, our gift shows up. Our gift shows up. If someone shows up to church early, like 8.30, 9 o'clock, I'm not going to name names, Tulia. But when that person shows up and they're like, how can I serve you? How can I help you today? I bet their gift is serving. So I would love to challenge us to be the kind of person who wakes up in the morning, thanks God for who he is in our life, and then says, Lord, I want to encourage someone today. 
I want to build someone up today. I want to make you famous, Jesus. I want to bring good news and hope today. I pray that at the end of this day, somebody would feel more confident of who you are in their life and be more full of faith and joy and love because I crossed their path. The reason I say becoming this kind of person is more important than wondering and worrying about what gift do I have is that when you become this kind of person, guess what? The Holy Spirit will not let your desires and your gifts go to waste. He will help you find ways to strengthen the faith of others. And that, my friends, is the discovery of your gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Paul says, Since you are so anxious to have special gifts from the Holy Spirit, ask him for the very best for those that will be of real help to the whole church. The Holy Spirit, you guys, gives gifts for the good of all. In Romans 12, 3 through 8, Paul, you guys, Paul was on this topic, right? He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I believe the reason Paul goes on to teach this truth is to help us think soberly. That means with humility about ourselves and not too highly. You see, as gifted people, we're always in danger of pride. So Paul shows us this profound truth that is intended to get rid of all the pride, all the bragging. He says we have gifts and that they differ in accordance to the grace given us. In other words, any difference in my gifting compared to someone else's gifting and their ability is owed entirely to grace. That means freely given and not earned or deserved. So we simply cannot brag about it. We can't take credit for it. It's not ours to do with what we like. We're simply the steward of the gift. We are the regifter. God is a good father, and he knows me better than I know myself. He made me, and he gifted me for a purpose. And that means I don't long for a different gift or compare my gifting with someone else's. I trust my father, the giver of good gifts. And few things can keep our pride in check and our thinking about ourselves humbly than the awareness that the Holy Spirit is absolutely sovereign and gives both the gift and the faith to use it. And he does whatever he pleases in whatever matter he pleases, wherever he pleases for the upbuilding of his church, for the body of Christ. And if we could wrap our minds around this and grasp it, you guys, we would be the most humble, happiest people on the earth. And if I can put it the most simple way, the gifts of the Spirit are the power 
of God in the presence of his people. The gifts of the Spirit are the power of God in the presence of his people. The Holy Spirit gives gifts for the good of all. And when we use these gifts properly, they make much of Jesus, not of us, not the gift, but Jesus. How cool is that? So cool. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11, it kind of breaks it down. It says, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Amen. Amen. I don't know if we often sit back and look at how these gifts are functioning and what's happening. But I wanted to give you a little bit of a picture today of some of the beautiful things that happen right in this church with these gifts being used. I want to start with last night. A young, young girl, well, she's not a young girl. She's a young woman, you guys. She's a woman now. She's 20. Um, was having a fundraising dinner to go do mission work. And I walked into the Ogden campus, and I saw one of the most beautiful sights that graces my eyes ever, and that is the beautiful Bridget and John Larson behind the counter, making sauce and meatballs, which they'd been making for days prior, so that they could serve all the people this woman had invited. That's not the first time I've seen Bridget and John at Ogden campus. You see, when we were getting that place really cleaned up and beautiful, there were many times I'd come to the church and they'd be there painting and they'd been there for hours and days. They gave their life away for that campus. They don't even attend that campus. They just wanted to love and serve that community. You see, they operate in the gift of serving. We had a church um, huddle yesterday and Rob felt led that we would stand and we would pray for people that weren't feeling well. And so people just went to other people yesterday to lay hands and pray over them. Well, someone apparently had the gift of healing 
and miracles. Because our sweet friend Jackie, who's been struggling to swallow for so many days, can just swallow like nobody's business now. Amen? Last Tuesday at Coffee and Cocoa, this program we run at the Ogden campus, kids, about 200, converge after school and they get cocoa and they get snacks and um, all these things. And um, it was freezing cold. It was, how many remember how cold it was on Tuesday? Never again, Lord, never again. <laughs> it was so cold. And um, we had a little six-year-old come in and um, she was frozen like this, like her little hands couldn't move. And I looked over, and Bronda had her hands in her hands, and she was just blowing on them, trying to warm them up. She has a gift of mercy, you guys. She has a gift of mercy. And one of our people from church was like, I'm starting a group. I want to get hats and gloves. And so a bunch of women got together and got hats and gloves because they have the gift of giving. And you know what happens when our gifts converge out on the streets and we don't just keep them in the church? It's got a ricochet effect. So one of those ladies went into a store and said, we need hats and gloves and explained what the situation was. And then a miracle happened because the store said, I want to give you a hundred hats. And then she said, well, let me pay for the gloves. And he said, here's 174 pairs of gloves. That'll be $10.73. So that was a miracle. Yes is what that was. So we don't have to keep our gifts here. You see, we can take them into the street. And then that young woman, Zaina, she's helping lead and launch a youth group at the Ogden campus. That's going to launch this Thursday. <laughs> and she's working in her gift of leadership. You see, she has the gift of leadership. When we marry the word of God and we live it out, things happen, you guys. Things happen. We start to ricochet off of each other. I think the Lord would like us to take our gifts off the shelf and dust them off and maybe open them up and look at him and say thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me this gift and the faith to use it. Because what if we all started using our gifts? What if we all started encouraging? Jason, 
thank you for this morning. You know, that man came up to me and said, can I please pray for you this morning before you give your message? And he anointed me with oil and prayed over me. You don't know how that encouraged my spirit. It strengthened my faith. We need to be using our gifts. They aren't scary. They aren't weird. They're beautiful, you guys. And we need each other because one person using their gift is not enough. And we can't affect the world and make Jesus famous with just two people using their gifts. This place should be lit up with people using their gifts and encouraging each other and strengthening each other's faith. What gift do you think God's given you? Ask a friend. Pray. And like I said, seek out that person that's struggling so that they can be encouraged by you and your gift will show up. Here's a list of some of the gifts as we went through them before. And just on a practical note, if this is something that's stirring you, I hope it is, we're going to be offering a class on December 7th from 9 to 1 here. It's called a design class, but it helps you understand and learn more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In closing today, you know that guy, Paul? <laughs> he wrote a lot about the gifts to the people in the church. He was talking a lot about it. But he wrote this. And I would love for your ears to be tuned in. Because he's going to talk about the gifts in this. But he's got a bigger message for us. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous it's not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. 
Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. And it endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I want to pray for us, and I'm going to have some prayer teams come up, and my husband and I will be up here praying as well. I want to encourage you, if you've never met this Jesus, this one that loves us and knows us so completely, that wants to show us how to love people the way he loved, if that's never been something you've done, and you're like, I want to know that guy, please come up and see us. We would love to agree with you in prayer over that. If this gift idea is new to you, if you've just been following Jesus for one day or one week, he has gifts for you. And we would love to pray with you about that. Lord, Sometimes we put you in a box. I pray that your divine love would surprise us and amaze us this morning. I pray that we would be a church that would open every gift you have for us with delight and joy and childlike faith. That we would be the best regifters that the world has ever seen, that we would be a people that would wake up and say, who can I encourage today? Who can I strengthen today? Who can I talk to about Jesus today? This holiday season, I pray our church would be alive with gifts, Lord. But may we never, ever lose sight of loving others. So as we use these gifts, may we do so with a heart to love. We love you, Jesus, and in your name we pray. Amen.